0: Okay, We're At DAF 29, a very important DAF, we have two big topics. Uh, one is Chamed Shavar alava Pesach, and the other one is uh a mixture of Min B'minoah uh, and Mashehu, both extremely interesting. Uh, so the first one um, has a very specific structure. I'm going to get to that. I want to review the Mishnah first and the different shitot uh, before uh, we get into our DAF. So I'm just going a page back to remember what the, what the story is. The Mishnah is talking about Hamesh Shavala Pesach. It makes a distinction between that owned by a non Jew. If it was owned by a non Jew on Pesach, then after Pesach, you can use it, you can enjoy it. I assume you can actually eat it also if you buy it from him after. And, um, but Mishnah is just talking about Hana'ah because it wants to contrast that with Sheld Israel. If chametz belonged to a Jew, you or anyone else, else, on Pesach, then you may not derive benefit from it. Um, Assume that means also that you cannot eat it. Um, Because it says, you cannot see, have chametz. If you do, then you um, violate and you no longer can use it even after Pesach. Okay, from the fact that the Mishnah quotes a pasuk, I would assume that that means that it's talking about that it's deoraita. And Antenetic sources, generally, when they quote a pasuk, that means that they think that that law is midoraita. So therefore, if you own chametz on Pesach, by mistake, on purpose, whatever, and you continue to own it, you cannot derive benefit afterwards. That's it, that's all the Mishnah says. One opinion, anonymous, no author. Okay, well now we're gonna to try to do is figure out who is the author because we know that there are a three different she taught about this. So here's the braitha that was on the previous staff. We say who is the author? Uda, Shimon, Galili. That's a fantastic opening. It can't be anybody. I'm imagining that this would be like a live uh, lecture, and the rabbi would get up. Who can it be? Nobody, right? And that would really ar- arouse everybody's curiosity. What do you mean? There's no author. But he's going to prove that it can't be any author. And then, don't worry, right? He's going to come and save the day at the end. But I think this is a nice pr- a rhetorical structure that would have been very, very engaging and also shown how his uh, ingenuity, how he can prove no one's the author, but then he'll come back uh, to, to to show who the author is. I'll talk about why this. Um, why, why are they using this structure? So first of all, who is? What are these three opinions? Biuda, Bishimon, What do they say? Uh, the Beraita says chametz ben lifnei ben ovel belav, alav belav. According to the Biuda, chametz before Pesach, meaning in the afternoon of the fourteenth, and also after Pesach, if you owned it, right? If it was owned on Pesach, it existed on Pesach afterwards. Then and you still use it. That's just a love. but no punishment. On pesach itself, if you eat eat chametz, then you violate a love. And also karet, it's more stringent. Okay. Now you see that a does not distinguish who owns it. Uh, just says a um, and this could be read whether a Jew owns it. What about if a owns it? Does he mean to say that hametz that existed at all during Pesach, even owned by a you cannot take it and use it and buy it and, uh, and eat it after Pesach? Right? It's, he's ambiguous. So uh, therefore, uh, we're going to see if the Be'udah fits the wording of the Mishnah. Is he the author? Second, Rabbi Shimon is more lenient. He says, He says, No problem you can have chametz before Pesach starts. In other words, before sunset on on the 14th, it's okay. And after Pesach, even if you owned it, even if a Jew owned it on Pesach, it's okay. After Pesach is done, you can eat it. Maybe they violated by having it, but uh, afterwards there's no penalty. Uh, on, on 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 Pesach itself, that on Pesach he agrees, um, and then we have a third opinion. He says, what? How can be chametz be a kol He says, even on Pesach itself, you're only not allowed to eat chametz. You are allowed to benefit from chametz. It's very surprising, and certainly it doesn't have any problem with before Pesach and after Pesach. That's the Remember the same sage who also had chicken cheeseburgers. Okay, so those are the three opinions. And now we're going to show how it cannot be any of these three opinions. All right, now I'm skipping what we did yesterday. We went on a tangent uh, showing all of the Pesukim that they learn it from, how they deal with all the various proofs. And now we're back to the question. Manemat Nitin, who is the author of the, of the Mishnah? He just said, he said simply, chametz, chametz that was owned on Pesach, cannot be uh, y- used uh, in after Pesach. So even even that of a non-Jew. Uh, and therefore, that cannot be the opinion of the Mishnah, because the Mishnah made a clear distinction between um, if it's yours, if it's a, Jew's, or a Jew owned it, then it's prohibited after Pesach. If a non-Jew owned it, then you can benefit after Pesach. So you see that the Uda is too stringent for the Mishnah. Okay. The Bishimon on the other end is too lenient for the Mishnah because the Mishnah said that if a, not, if a Jew owned it, it's prohibited after Pesach. And he says, it doesn't matter. Not, any Chamesh after Pesach, no matter who owned it, there's no problem of Pesach, so he's too lenient. And if he's too lenient, all the more so, Even on Pesach, you can, you're allowed to, to benefit from it. So for sure, after Pesach, you'd be allowed to benefit from it. So you see, nobody can be the author of the Mishnah. It's he, the Mishnah falls between the Uda and Rabbi Shimon. All right, so that's the, now everybody's wondering, scratching their heads. So who can it be? Um, now we're going to have two answers. One, the first one is we're going to make it fit with Rabbi Yuda, The second one will make it fit with Rabbi Shimon. He's the author of the first answer. It is, in fact, the first opinion. It is, in fact, the first opinion. In fact, Rabbi Yehuda does make a distinction between a Jew, a chametz owned by a Jew, and chametz owned by a non-Jew. I know he didn't say it in this statement, he was just talking about the three different time periods. But in fact, he, he agrees, and he makes a comparison between uh, eating and seeing. Regarding seeing, it says... Uh, you cannot see chametz that's owned by you, but how about chametz that's not owned by you? Obviously there's chametz around in the world, right? You can pass by a pretzel stand and see the chametz. Uh, you can smell it, right? As long as you don't own it, that's fine. And so too regarding, uh, regarding eating. You are not allowed to eat yours, um, but of others you can. In other words, um, if, if there was chametz that was owned by, a, by someone on, on Pesach, then it can be eaten by a non-Jew. If it was owned by a non-Jew on Pesach, it can be eaten by a Jew after Pesach. So he, in fact, agrees and does make that distinction. And so therefore, you see, if it's... obedin In the Mishnah, it only talked about Hana'ah. If it was owned by a non-Jew, you can't have, can have a. If it was owned by a Jew, you cannot have Hana'a. The truth is that's the same thing for eating. Uh, it would be the same law. Um, but it didn't mention it. Why? Because it wanted to show the stringency that if chametz is owned by a Jew on Pesach, then a Jew is not allowed to even benefit from it, certainly not eat it. So, since it's talking about Hanaa, it said also if it's owned by a by a goy, then you are allowed to have Hanaa, You're also allowed to eat it. But it wants to keep the contrast and focus on Hanaa. And also, bedinu And really, the Mishnah should have also could have also written that on Pesach itself. If it's chametz is owned by a non-Jew, you are allowed to benefit from it. Uh, in other words, let's say uh, a non-Jew heats up water using fuel of chametz, right? You can you can drink that hot water. You can benefit from it as long as you didn't own the chametz. Uh, so really, he could have said that the does make that distinction between Jew and non-Jew, but that our Mishnah is not talking about on Pesach, and so therefore, since Mishnah whole Mishnah is talking about after Pesach, that's why it talked about only after Pesach. Um, and so by doing all this, now Rabbi Uda can fit. Okay, a couple of words about this. First of all, um, this seems to be the simple reading of the Mishnah. In the Talmud Yerushalmi, it doesn't go through all of this. It goes, just asks, who's the author of Mishnah? It's Rabbi Uda. It's kind of obvious to the Yerushalmi that Rabbi Yehuda, even though he, made, he didn't talk about Goy and uh, uh, Jew and non-Jew, making three distinction between three time periods. His point is simply to talk about the punishment before Pesach starts, it's a lav, which will only be malkut, um, if you own it. On Pesach, love and karet. After Pesach, if a Jew owned it, then it would be simply a lav. And we can assume that if it's owned by a non-Jew, that's a different category. You don't have to talk about it. The bavli, interestingly, goes out of its way to say, oh, maybe he thinks that of a non-Jew also is, uh, is, uh, is prohibited. Um, uh, and, uh, and then says, no, no, this is what he means, okay? So it's just interesting that um, the, the Bavli kind of re- first rejects Rabbi Huda only to bring him back. Let's think about why it does that, okay? Second, I'll tell you why now. Um, I think it's doing it because uh, the simple reading of the Mishnah is in fact like Rabbi Huda, but the Bavli doesn't want to accept that as the Halakha Le Halakha le-ma'ase is going to be like Ribishim on at the end of the sugya. Um, And so we want the Stam Mishnah to follow what the halakha ends up being. Uh, and so therefore, um, it, it's uh, difficult to just say, oh, no, it's Rabbi Shimon. What it wants to do first is say, you know what? There's no author of the, of the, of the Mishnah. And then kind of clear the playing field. And then you can say, oh, you know what? All right, it could be Rabbi Yehuda, right? We'll grant him that. Oh, and it also could be the Rabbi Shimon. And then they're kind of equal uh, interpretations. And then we can prefer Rabbi Shimon. I'll show you more about that as it goes along. Okay, one interesting tangent, uh, well, uh, uh, interesting thing here is this word hana'ah is not found in all versions. Rashi did not have it. And in, that, in Rashi's reading, he says as follows, Really, the Mishnah could have said, On Pesach, a chametz that's owned by an Anju is permitted totally. According to Rashi, If uh, even to eat, according to Rashi, if chametz is owned by a non-Jew, a Jew is allowed to eat it. You can eat chametz on Pesach as long as it's owned by a non-Jew, right? Which is really quite a surprising thing. Tosafot asked a question on that. Says, how's that going to work, right? At some point, as it's going down your throat, don't you don't you acquire it, and then it's going to be yours, right? You know, it's like let me borrow that cookie, right, and then you eat it. You're not giving it back. Um, so that's uh, a very interesting shita. It's not necessary to interpret it that way because uh, after all other versions do have simply hana'a here, but it is something interesting. All right, good. So that's the first opinion that our Mishnah, which makes a distinction between chametz, If it was owned by a Jew, it's okay. If it was owned by, a non- owned by a Jew, it's not good. If it was owned by a non-Jew, it's okay. That fits with the opinion of Rabbi Yehudah. Now Rava comes along and gives another solution. Ravah amad, And even though Ravishimon seemed like he was too lenient for the Mishnah, we can make him fit. So in fact, Ravishimon said that Hametz is only prohibited midoraita on Pesach itself, right? on those seven days. Before Pesach starts, after Pesach, there's no problem of having Hametz. That's Rabbi Shimon's opinion, oraita. But he agrees that middeorabanan, there's a fine. If you own chametz on Pesach, then the rabbis want to encourage you to have gotten rid of it beforehand. And therefore, you should not get benefit from the chametz that you violated Pesach by owning. And so therefore, that is a ddeorabanan. So the pasuk would mean, because you violated on on Pesach, ba'aliyad el ba'aliyamaseh, Therefore, the rabbis impose this penalty. And that's how we can make it fit. In fact, the Bishimon is too mekel because B'oraitah, thinks it's okay. And so now we are reducing the prohibition of the Mishnah, right, from a D'oraitah, which is the Pshat, to a, de- from a Doraita to a D'rabanan. And so that's going to be very important. That means even today is uh, which is a very important leniency because uh, there's a lot of difficulties, as you know, with supermarkets that were owned by Jews and, uh, uh, and you can't shop there for a certain amount of time after Pesach because that hametz was owned by Jews. Um, but because Rabbanan, we can allow certain leniencies for, um, for, uh, uh, for difficult unknown situations. Okay, so that's the two answers. Nobody tries to make the Mishnah fit with Rebiyose HaGeladi, the third opinion. All right, now we're going to discuss these two. Bishlam HaLedava, the Mishnah said brought a proof text from Lo uh, So according to Rava, this makes sense because uh, if uh, owned by a Jew, if, if a Jew owned chametz on Pesach, then you can't use it after chametz as a knas, because he had violated Bal Yeda'e. He's the first opinion that says it fits with Rabbi Huda. In the previous stuff, we said that Rabbi Uda derives the prohibition, Midoraita, to own, to have benefit from Chametz after Pesach, that you owned on Pesach, from this Pasuk, from Exodus 13.3. So the Mishnah should have mentioned this Pasuk, um, if it's talking about what happened after, if it's the opinion of Rabbi Yudah. So we answer, the Pasuk that it does quote, uh, she, um, it wasn't it wasn't going on the second law but rather on the first law of the mishnah uh, which said hakikam chametz shel goy she'avar la pesach mutar bana if a non jew owned chametz on pesach you are allowed why you are allowed to have it after pesach why mishum shema dayer lecha shel cha yatah ro'eh va ata ro'eh shel acherim shel ga you are only and not allowed to see and own your own chametz chametz that you possess but if it's not owned by you, then it's okay. And that's why, it's, even though the pasu comes at the end, it's actually explaining the per- permission at the beginning. And uh, also we'll compare uh, eating to seeing. And therefore, just like you're allowed to see uh, hametzavagoi, so too you are allowed to eat goy after Pesach is done. Good. Now, these two opinions, they follow, they're consistent with what they say elsewhere. So someone, is a non-Jew owned chametz on Pesach, and now you take it after Pesach and you eat it. Uh, what, it what would be the punishment? I'll do the second one first. La according to the Biyudah, well, he explained that uh, that the is talking about only chametz of a Jew is prohibited, but chametz of a non-Jew, your okay. So therefore, enolokeh. Okay. Rava, however, he said that our Mishnah is the opinion of the Shimon, and so only the Shimon would permit it. He leaves intact the biuda and doesn't reinterpret it, right? He says the biuda, according to the Havamina, we said before, The biuda makes no distinction between Chametz owned by a Jew or Chametz owned by a non Jew. And therefore, um, if, uh, if it existed on Pesach, uh, then it's prohibited uh, even after Pesach, and it would be prohibited lokeh. It would, it would even be the oraita, your lokeh, for violating uh, love. And so you see, that's the distinction. According to the biuda, and the pshat of the Mishnah, right? It's a sumidoraita According to okay. And uh, if it's owned by, yeah, even if it's owned by a non-Jew, according to Rav there's no problem at all if it's owned by a non-Jew um, in within the opinion. Because we'll explain it here. So According to Rav, Biyudah does not compare eating and seeing, and so therefore. Um, even if it's a non, that of a non-Jew, it's prohibited. <speaking in Hebrew> he does compare them, just like you're allowed to see chametz uh, on by a non-Jew, so, so you are, are allowed to eat it after Pesach. Okay, now so that's uh, okay. That's what we we clarified so far. And now here's something really interesting and surprising. <speaking> in <Hebrew> changed his mind about this. Um, okay, I just want to show you a, a, an outline of what we just saw so that you can appreciate it. I, I wrote about this in my book, so um, this, this particular sugiah. So here's the structure. We have the mishnah, right, that makes a distinction between Pesach, on by a non-Jew is okay, on by a Jew is not okay. And then we say, who is the author of the Mishnah? Narebi Yudah, be Shimon, be And kind of leave it at that. We go uh, and then we say, well, what, what is the actual opinion? And we quote the three opinions. Um, this fits with a typical Greco-Roman oration. Uh, When you learn that they, when uh, 2000 years ago, uh, little Roman boys would go and uh, study in school, had to to make a presentation. They would say, you should always make, use this outline, a narration, a partition, meaning, I'm gonna prove it based on three things. And then you explain the proof and you go through each of the three things. And then, so we show how it cannot be the author of any, none of them can be the author. That's how we, we started today, not A, not B, not C. Um, and then we come back and say, OK, you know what? Actually, it could be A, that's Rabbi, Achai, Rabbi Yaakov. And really, it could also be Lava, which says it's like Rabbi on. OK, so it's a very interesting structure. And once again, comparing to the Yudhushalmi, right, the Mishnah actually is the, uh, simply the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Right? Rabbi Yehuda, he didn't, wasn't talking about of a non-Jew, but that's what he meant. And um, so it could have left as simply as that. Why is the go through all this and reject everyone? only to then bring them back. Uh, so as I said, I think it's because we want to um, decide that halacha is like be Shimon. And therefore, we want to show some way of making the Shimon fit, with the, fit with, with the Mishnah. Why do we want to do that? Well, the Mishnah says that is asum And that's very stringent. And in the end, Rava is going to say halacha lemaseh, it'll be the last word on the, the last line we say we learned today, that he's going to say that And we want the Mishnah to fit it. So first of all, we clean the slate and say, no one can be the author of the Mishnah. And then you'll appreciate if I get any answer at all. So we get two answers and we present them kind of equally. But actually, if you look at the number of words used for the first one, it looks like like you have to do a lot more gymnastics to make the B'Yehuda fit in. And Ava is like, oh, I can fit it in simply. And so it looks just from this that Ava is easier to fit Rabbi Shimon and then Rabbi Yehuda. The truth is that a lot of this explanation of the Mishnah would apply also to Rabbi Shimon. It just says it all here. So even from that, we get the impression that, oh, Rabbi Shimon reads more smoothly with the Mishnah. And then uh, we have this line, and you know what, he actually changed his mind. So now no one thinks that the Mishnah is the Huda anymore. So we went from like, you know, Mishnah is simply the which Yushami says, to re- re-understanding, reinterpreting it as Rabi Shimon. And, and actually, even the original uh, Rabi opinion changed his mind. So this is um, a really something uh, quite dramatic um, in the structure of this Gemara. Okay, um, the proof. That the Baha changed his mind is going to take a little time, so be patient. Um, here it comes. Detanya, I take chametz, I make it hekdesh. I say I'm donating this to the Bet Hamikdash. This is now holy chametz, and I can leave it around. I don't own it anymore, so I don't violate baliyada by having this chametz around. Now, what happens if I now take from that chametz and eat it? Um, so I'm violating two things. Number one, I'm eating chametz on Pesach. Number two, I'm violating me'ilah. I'm stealing from something that's holy. If I if, uh, violate me'ilah, I have to pay back um, uh, the amount that I stole plus a fifth, I have to bring a korban also. Um, okay, so violate two things there, um, and some people, yes, Loma'al, lo ma'al, another opinion says, no, there's no me'ailah, you violated that you're eating chametz, but there's no me'ailah here. Okay, that's the machloket, that's the brai- end of the braita. Now we're going to have five different interpretations of this braita. What exactly are they fighting about? How come one opinion says ma'al and one opinion says lo ma'al? The fourth interpretation is going to be by Rav Badiakov. And from that, we'll see that he changed his mind. Okay, but let's go through the first three until we get there. So these three are not related directly to Rav HaKad Yaakov, but other ways of explaining. So now, man yeshomrim, who is this yeshomrim, and why does he think that there's no me'ilah if I steal and take from chametz on Pesach, that I made Hekdesh? Okay, this is a famous law that says, If I violate two things with one action, like if I go and burn down your grain on Shabbat, now I violated Shabbat because I burned something, I also stole because I destroyed your grain. So I am I am I am liable to two things. One, for violating Shabbat. Two, I have to pay you for the grain that I destroyed. So there's a general law that when you have two punishments, you don't get both punishments, you only get the higher punishment, right? You don't give someone the death penalty and also make them pay. They don't have to pay. Sorry, you don't get your 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 money. Okay, so we know that that's true regarding Shabbat where it's uh, the, the death penalty. But what about on Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur is actually less severe. If I light a fire on Yom Kippur, the punishment is merely karet, which is mitabi Shamaim. So it's, lesser, it's a lesser category. What's the law? If I burn down your field on Yom Kippur, then do I have to get karet and also pay or not? The majority opinion says yes, both can apply. Because it's not it's only it's only Karet. However, Rabbi Nechonia says, even Yom Kippur you do apply this to Karet as well. Uh, so what does this have to do with us? Okay, in this case, if you eat chametz, what's the violation on Pesach? What's the punishment? Karet. Right? So now I violated Karet by eating chametz. I also stole from Hegdesh. That's meilah, But According to the I don't apply both of them, right? I only uh, get, the pro, the, get the violation of Karet for eating Chametz and not Me'ila. So that's the Machlok. The first opinion says you do get and Karet, and the second one says, no, you don't. Okay, that's the first interpretation. <laughs> Okay, this explanation said questions. Let's say I have Hekdesh. Hekdesh, I can always redeem it, right? You can always uh, take money and say, the Kiddushah will go from this item that I donated to the money. And then I can benefit, I can eat the, um, the benefit from whatever I, um, I uh, redeemed. Now, the question is, in this case, I cannot eat that Chametz. Um, and therefore, um, here's another principle. I can only violate Me'ilah if I take something that's worth money, that has a value. Chametz on Pesach, what am I going to do with it? I am not allowed to eat it, I can't sell it, right? I can't benefit. I mean, I could do it, but i violate a, a prohibition. So therefore, since it would violate a prohibition, it's not really for sale, uh, it has no monetary value. And therefore, if I would take it, so what am I doing? I'm not, uh, I'm not doing anything that, has a, that, has, that has violates a monetary value. The question here is, what if I redeem it, not because I'm gonna eat it, but because I'm going to feed it to my dog, um, and so, um, uh, so I'm only, only Hanaa, so which would not be karet. And uh, so therefore, the question is, uh, one opinion says, if I redeem kodashim, not to eat for myself, but only for, to eat for my dog, some say you can't do that. If you're going to redeem it, it still has some holiness to it. You still have to treat it with respect. So you've got to eat it yourself. So some say you can do that, and some say you can't do that. So one who says, you did do me'ilah, he thinks that the pijon works. Right, I did in fact um um redeem it and therefore um uh, and therefore I I fed it to the I fed it to the dog, so I'm Khayah both. The other one says, No, you can't do that, and so I'm not Khaya of That was the second opinion. Third interpretation, they kula ama in podinta kodashimila kirabim, baka bahakami palgebe the bata gorem the mamon kemamon da meh. Manda mal maal, me. Okay, so this is saying we're going back to does it have monetary value? Well, right now on Pesach it does not have monetary value, but after Pesach it will. Why? Because everyone agrees that Hekdesh, um, even though I can't I can't use it now, after Pesach, I can redeem it and then I can eat it or sell it. So right now it has no monetary value, but in the future it does. And so there's the general machloket, whether something that is not valuable now, but will come to have have value later, is is that considered valuable now or not? The one who says that there is me'ilah says that even though it's not, not worth any money now, it is like money because it has potential, it's potentially valuable. And therefore, if I eat it on Pesach, I do violate, I am stealing. And the other one says, right now, it's not worth anything. And therefore, if I eat it now, I'm not stealing. And so there would not be no me'ila. All right. Those are the, three, the first, first three opinions. And now we get to the one that we need. No, I'm not arguing about that. Everybody agrees that that uh, would be considered money. Those two opinions in the Baraita that says me'ila or not me'ila, are actually match up with the and abishman manda so let's see how they match up okay so the one who says that there is mila so uh, sorry, the one who says there's no me'ilah, that must be the Be'udah. Why so? Because according to the Be'udah, right, in the original the, uh, explanation of what he said, um, the Be'udah said that hametz that existed on Pesach, whether it owned by, uh, owned by a Jew or by a non-Jew, is prohibited after Pesach, right, no matter what. So therefore, if there's hametz here, then it has no monetary value. Not now, and it will not have monetary value even after uh, even after Pesach. Even though right now it's, it's Hekdesh, but even if I don't own it, even if it's owned by a non-Jew, even if it's owned, even Hekdesh, I cannot uh, eat this Hametz ever, even if I redeem it after, afterwards. So therefore, since it has no monetary value, I can't violate stealing it, so there's no me'ilah. But according to the Bishimon, who says it's permitted after Pesach, Therefore, it, um, it, is like, it is valuable now also, and I would violate, uh, violate uh, me'ilah. So this reasoning of Rabbi Rabbi he was the author of the first, uh, the first explanation in the first place. This only makes sense according to the original understanding of the bi After Rabbi Rabbi Yaakov changed, he, his answer was, no, the Biuda makes a distinction between that owned by a Jew and that owned by a non-Jew. Owned by ananju would be same as owned by owned by hektesh, and according to the his explanation, how we fit the mishnah with the Be'udah, um, it should be permitted to benefit from this chametz after after pesach, and therefore it should have valuable, be valuable now. So the fact that he doesn't say that here, that means he must have changed his mind, and now right nobody thinks that our mishnah is like a Behuda. Okay, you can ask, how do you know he changed his mind here? Maybe he said this uh, first, and he changed his mind. Uh, the, maybe he said that first, and he said the second, and this is really what he means, or maybe the other way around. Okay, but it doesn't matter. The point is that the, 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 the Talmud Bavli is putting this here to say, uh, first of all, uh, Mishnah could be to be Shimon. And actually, even the one who said this to Biudah doesn't uh, agree with himself anymore. So that way, we're really establishing what the Halakha is. OK, and last, uh, lastly, So the one who says that there is Mila here, he follows the Bioseh. Remember, the Bioseh says, you are allowed to have chametz after Pesach, and even on Pesach, you can benefit from chametz that's not yours. And so therefore, obviously, has, has monetary value. Even right now, it has monetary value. Uh, so that's why there is al, The one this is not could be like any of the other rabbis um, who say that it's pro- prohibited chametz uh, is prohibited on Pesach um, from benefit and no matter what, um, and even if you even if you don't own it, and therefore they would say there's no meila. Okay, that's it. That's the uh, the end of the uh, the of that first topic. Um, and to, to sum up we, you know, uh, um, the Mishnah made a distinction between Chamesh, I love a Pesach, between a Jew and a non-Jew. And it sounds like if it's owned by a Jew, then it would be a after afterwards. And the Peshat of the Mishnah follows the Behuda, saying that that would be a love, a surmideoraita. In the end, we say, you know what? We're going to reinterpret. And the Mishnah actually fits to the Bishimon. The Bishimon says Chamesh is only prohibited on Pesach itself, midoraita, after Pesach on by a Jew. We have a canass. It's only midrabanan, and we end up uh, explaining that the Mishnah files Rabbi Shimon, and that and that's Rabbah that says that. Okay, remember Rabbah is the one that says that because he's going to be the last line in the next uh, section. All right. Now the next sugya is very famous to anyone who studied in uh, for a semicha program. This is al Chot one zero one. Right, the basics of mixing uh, prohibited, permitted and prohibited items, and we're going to see. Uh, basically four opinions between Rav Shmuel in, in, in Bavel and Reshakish and Biyochanan and Nes Israel, and so let's see what they say. Ma'arav chametz bismino, that means chametz on Pesach itself. Ben bimino ben bishelo asur. If it's a mixture, if chametz mixes into mino, mino means of the same kind, meaning the same taste, right? So chametz. Uh, um, uh, bread with uh, with with masa and they 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 they're the same. They look the same. They taste the same. Uh, or whether it's a different taste doesn't matter. It is prohibited. bimino asur. bimino After, however, chomet shavar leva pesach. Right, chometz <speaking in Hebrew> that um, not in its time afterwards, but it was owned by a Jew on Pesach. If it fell into its own kind, it's prohibited. If it's a different kind, different taste, then it's permitted. So this is an important principle that I've says. If something, the idea of nullification is, it's so little that it's like it's not there, it's nullified. When something is a different taste, it's easier to nullify, because milk falls into, into meat, has a different taste. And you can go and look and see and taste it and say, there's no milk here, right? So the other taste can overwhelm the, that, the, uh, the one that tastes different. When it's min bemino, the same taste, then it doesn't get nullified, right? Because it's just, you know, prohibited gravy with permitted gravy. And so it all mixes together. kind of always stays there. So that is Zadav's opinion. Okay. to clarify. Wait a second. How much is there? Is there enough to actually give taste? If so, after Pesach, and min would that be allowed, right? If, uh, a le, if uh, uh, enough, right, to give taste, chametz that was owned on Pesach and now it's after Pesach, falls into something that tastes different, um, would that be allowed? No, we don't think that. So ha ha'yah heb it's giving, it's giving taste to it. Ela bemashu. Rather, he's talking about even the tiniest bit, right? Even, the, even one in a million would make it prohibited in all these cases. Only in one case does he say it's allowed. Uh, so, is this is this all saying that Hamid after Pesach is, is this piece right now assuming that it's Midrabanan only Asur? That's a good question. Uh, I would uh, I would think that this is assuming that it's deoraita. Uh, if it's so um if it's so uh, stringent regarding it even after even after Pesach. So this is according to so so it's ignoring the previous it's ignoring the previous Saddav is a first generation Amorah. Dava uh, is a fourth generation amorah, so therefore this. Rav I've said all this before. Dava uh, uh, introduced his interpretation. So if they're going to say halafah is a to be Shimon later, how do they how do they resolve that? Because uh, it's, it's not going to be a coin Okay. Uh, good question. Now we're going to clarify, explain what i meant. Chames ben ben asur. On Pesach itself, for sure it's not allowed, even the tiniest bit. Rav le ta'ameh, that follows his general opinion. Why? Because Rav Ushmu'el, the two Babylonians, Tamre Tarvaihu, call Bemino Bemino Benoten Ta'am. All prohibitions throughout the Torah. This we don't do this, right? Don't worry. Um, all prohibitions in the Torah are if it's the same taste, bemashehu, even the tiniest bit. If it's a different taste, then it's binotentaam. Okay, so really, so min b'mino, right, he says it never gets nullified. This is not particular to chametz. Um, now, what's going on here? Rav gazal chametz bizmano shelo b'mino, atu mino. But now he, Rav made a gezerah. Chametz bizmano shelo b'mino. So on Pesach itself, really it's only a subimashu who if it's b'mino. But people will get confused. And so they'll think that Shelob is allowed, so Mino also is allowed. So the rabbis make a Gezerah and say, even if it's Min no of a different taste, it's also prohibited on Pesach bemashehu. And then, second Gezerah, and when it's not at its time, in other words, after Pesach, if it's Min then the rabbis made it uh, prohibited. Um, uh, as uh, the, uh, because that will be a gezera for uh, Pesach itself, so mimino afterwards for mimimino on on uh, on, uh, on Pesach, as uh, Rabbi Yehuda says, who says it's a So that's uh, that answers your question. Uh, but if it's means after after Pesach. Then you would need two steps. You don't make a gezara that far. Shelo bismah de to we're not going to say that a different taste after Pesach that you're going to come to confuse that with min bino after Pesach, which we be confused with min bimino on Pesach. No, not so far. Okay, that's all. Rav Shmuel Amar Hametz bismano bimino asur shelo bimino mutar. So on Pesach itself, uh, if it's min bimino, not allowed. If it's min shenobi bimino, it's permitted. So he's more lenient than Rav. Shelobi's meaning after Pesach. Ben mino, ben shelobi no mutad. It's permitted uh, totally. Any, any mixture, right? It's all talking about mixtures. Everyone would agree that if it's thing in itself, that's prohibited. That's, what's, that's what Rav would say is assumed If it's a mixture, right, then that's when he make, makes a gezerah and it would be assumed rabanan. Shemuel does not make any of those gezerot. And that's why he permits in three out of the four cases. Let's explain. So on Pesach itself, he follows his general rule because Rav and Shmuel agree that all, in all prohibitions, if it's the same taste, then it never gets nullified. And that'll be on Pesach itself. If it's a different taste, then if it's enough to give taste, then it's prohibited. If it's more than and you don't taste anything at all, then it's permitted. That's the same. Same is true for milk and meat and everything. She lo atuminan lo He does not make a gezera on Pesach. Min shalom mino to min bemino, and how about after Pesach ben ben mutarin He says it's totally fine after Pesach. You can uh, you can have a mixture like the bishimon. The bishimon, according to what we just said, does have a prohibition midrabanan. So if it's the chametz in itself, it's susu midrabanan. But once it gets mixed up in something else, then you can be lenient on that. All right, that's all the two. Shiloh bismanot cannot be, you keep saying after Passover, what about before Passover? Great question, great question, yes. Uh, Shiloh bismanot can also apply to before b- before Pesach, um, and uh, that, that's a whole discussion how this would apply before Pesach. Right now, the Gemadah is focusing on after Pesach, that's why it's quoting Rabbi Shimon be and Rabbi and the above discussion, which was all after Pesach. Um, but yes, we, we, that, that's another, another discussion, how this applies before Pesach. <laughs> Very good. I don't, to, I don't want to make it more complicated than there it already is. ben Okay, now we're getting to more familiar territory. This is you know, more like what we actually do. So, Chamech on Pesach, whether it's the same taste or different taste, it's noten ta'am. ben But uh, after Pesach, then any mixture is permitted uh, totally. Just uh, um, sounds like you know, just a, a majority. You wouldn't need, even if it's um, uh, no uh, Okay, actually, this is not familiar, more familiar territory because we say it's b'mashiahu on Pesach, right? We'll see. We we actually do a compromise position. All right, let's explain what Rabbi Yochanan just said. ben ben The two uh uh earlier i wanted from etisal Israel, vaiu call is such about ben benan ben chlo benan beno 10 time in the whole torah milk and me, pig and uh and uh, and meat whatever nan uh, koshemit and kosher koshemit it's always noten ta'am. That's what. That's the more familiar territory. This is what we we think. And it doesn't matter whether it's the same taste or a different taste. It's just that it's a different taste that's a lot easier to detect. You can give it to a non Hey, you taste any milk in here? Right. If it's the same taste, then you have to measure. We assume one in sixty is the is the average measurement that it won't give taste anymore. Um, now that's on Pesach. After Pesach. Whether it's uh, the same taste or a different taste, it's permitted. He's following the B as, as 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 follows following the B Shimon, who says that the whole prohibition is doraita, and therefore a mixture is okay. And last line, Amar Dava Hilchita Hametz Bizmano Ben Bimino, Ben Shelo Bimino, Asur Be Mashu On Pesach itself. Right? Even the tiniest bit that falls in is totally prohibited, whether it's the same taste or different taste. That's what we do. Kerav. In that, in that half, we're following the first opinion, the stringent opinion of Rav. But mano Ben Bemino, Ben Mutar, But Chametz that was owned by a Jew on Pesach, and you still own it after Pesach, then uh, it's prohibited. Midrabanan, like But if it gets mixed up, then no matter what, whether it gets mixed up with its same taste or a different taste, it's totally allowed. And he's following Rabbi Shimon. So now you see what Rava was, was doing all along. This is gonna be the final halakha. Rava gives halakha like Rabbi Shimon. And therefore he is the one to explain that our Mishnah, in fact, uh, accords with Rabbi Shimon. And then that gives a uh, backing and authority to the final halakha. Tomorrow we'll discuss this uh, statement of Rava even further. Baruch Amen